Hello, neighbor. You are listening to the New Garden Church podcast. We're glad you're here. This year, we are walking through the whole Bible together as a church family, day by day and week by week. We meet at 10 a.m. at DuPont Tyler Middle School in Hermitage, Tennessee. You can join us in person or catch our online gatherings by checking out our website at newgarden.church online. We would love to hear from you. We hope that you enjoy what you hear today and check back in with us again soon. Good morning and welcome to week 52 in our series, Long Story Short. Now, if you've been with us this past year in 2021, you know we've spent the whole year journeying through the entire Bible. We've invited you to read along with our reading plan, which means if you have kept up, you will have read every word in the Bible at the end of this year. I know this this coming week we have the book of Revelation on our schedule, and so it'll be kind of a weird one that we don't actually get to talk about on a Sunday morning in the lesson plan. But hopefully this morning as we talk about what the whole Bible represents, it will give us a lens to read this book of Revelation through. And when the bell rings on on uh, into 2022, we'll look back and see just how the scripture fits together and points towards Jesus. So as you know, we spent the whole year journeying through the Bible. We started in Genesis so long ago, and we quickly worked our way through the entire Old Testament. We did a wrap-up of the Old Testament and kind of the picture that it creates with the Torah and with the writings and with the prophets and how they all kind of point to this coming Messiah. But then the Old Testament ends without the fulfillment of the coming Messiah. And then you open up the pages of the Gospels in the New Testament, and it reveals this story of the Messiah, the anointed one that we know as Jesus. And he comes on the scene, and he talks about how he is here to save people from their sins. And ultimately, he goes to the cross, he defeats sin and death, he's resurrected from the grave. And then the rest of the New Testament is kind of what happens after that. Letters to churches explaining exactly what life in the kingdom looks like. And um, like I said, this coming week, you'll be reading the book of Revelation uh, as we go, as we finish up 2021, uh, this picture of what has happened, what is happening in Jesus and what we anticipate is going to happen as well. That when Jesus returns, that we will live with him forever. So what I want to do this morning is we're going to spend a few minutes looking at a video from the, the, the folks of the Bible Project who do an incredible job of summarizing in short time what, what would take me a long time. So we're going to watch this video that kind of gives us an overview of the New Testament, how it connects with the Old Testament, and how it can help us see Jesus in a better light. And then once it finishes, I'll jump back in and give us a few points of application that, again, point to Jesus. So let's watch this together. The New Testament. If you open up a Bible to its table of contents, you'll see it's made up of two large collections, the Old and New Testaments. The word testament refers to a covenant partnership, which is what both of these collections are all about. They tell one epic and complicated story of God's covenant partnership with Israel and all humanity. The Old Testament is called Tanakh in Jewish tradition. It's a unified scroll collection of 39 Israelite texts that were over a thousand years in the making. In contrast, the 27 books of the New Testament all came into existence within 30 to 40 years of each other. They were all written by first-generation followers of Jesus. From an early period, Christian communities began collecting these texts and reading them alongside the Old Testament as one unified story that leads to Jesus. 
The New Testament begins with four narrative books that together are called the Gospel. They tell the story of Jesus of Nazareth's life, death, and resurrection as an announcement of good news. They're followed by a fifth narrative work called Acts of the Apostles. Here, the risen Jesus commissions the apostles, a word that means the sent ones. They're appointed as Jesus' representatives to spread the good news about him throughout the ancient world. After Acts comes a collection of letters from the apostles. These were written to provide teaching and guidance for local communities of Jesus' followers called churches. There are 13 letters connected to the Apostle Paul, and they're not arranged in the order of when they were written, but rather from the longest to the shortest. Then there's the letter to the Hebrews, written by a close but unnamed associate of the Apostles. After this are the letters of James, Jude, Peter, and John. Two were brothers of Jesus, and two were among his first followers. The last New Testament book is the Revelation, a letter to seven churches that reveals a prophetic word of challenge and comfort to all of Jesus' followers. So those are the books of the New Testament, but what are they about? And how do they connect with the Old Testament to make up one unified story? Think of it this way. The Bible is one long epic narrative with multiple movements or acts. The Old Testament recounts the first series of acts that give you everything you need to make sense of the story to follow. The core themes and the plot conflict are arranged in design patterns. And then in the New Testament, these are all picked up and carried forward to the story's culmination in Jesus. Let me show you what I mean. The first act is about God and all humanity. God provides a sweet garden temple for humans who are made to be God's partners in ruling the world. But the humans are foolish and they give in to a dark temptation and rebel against God's wisdom. So they're exiled into a wilderness where they start killing each other. They build cities that spread their selfishness and oppression leading up to the big bad city of Babylon. But God loves the world and its foolish humans, so he sets in motion a rescue plan by promising the arrival of a new human who will destroy the evil that has lured us into self-destruction. The next act of the biblical story is about God and Israel, and it develops the themes and patterns of the first act. God calls a new humanity out of Babylon into a sweet garden land, Abraham, Sarah, and his descendants, the Israelites. God promises that through them, divine blessing will be restored to all of the nations. Surely these are the new humans that we're waiting for. But the Israelites repeat humanity's rebellion against God, building their own violent cities that lead to self-destruction and another exile in Babylon. But God sustains his promise that the new human will come from Abraham's lineage. It will be a priest king who will now have to rescue both Israel and humanity from Babylon to restore God's blessing to the world. Now, notice how these two acts are designed according to the same pattern. The second act is a longer and more violent version of the first, and together they explore the tragic human condition, but they also highlight God's promise, which is developed more in the next act, the Old Testament prophets and poets. The prophets accused Israel and all nations of their evil, and they announced that one day God himself would arrive to bring the day of the Lord and deliver his world from Babylon. He would do it through a promised royal priest who's going to suffer like a slave and die for the sins of Israel and all humanity, but then he'll be exalted as king over the nations. He will call others to leave Babylon and join the new covenant people who will partner with God to rule over a new Jerusalem, that is, over a new creation. And so the Old Testament concludes by anticipating a new act in the story. 
And when you turn to the New Testament, it's the same story now being carried forward in Jesus. Let's see how. The four gospel accounts introduce Jesus of Nazareth, both as the promised son of Abraham who will restore God's blessing to the nations, and also as that new human who will defeat evil and restore humanity to partnership with God. So, Jesus is portrayed as a human and more. He went about announcing the arrival of God's promised kingdom, and he spoke and acted as if he was Israel's divine king. But instead of calling himself king, Jesus referred to himself as the son of man, that is, the human one who would act like a servant. The Gospels are making the claim that in Jesus, Israel's God has become the faithful Israelite and the true human that we are all made to be but have failed to be. Jesus' mission was to confront that dark evil that lurks underneath humanity's evil, luring us into selfishness, violence, and death. But how do you defeat that kind of evil? The surprising answer in the Gospels is that Jesus overcame our evil by allowing it to kill him on his paradoxical throne, the cross, where Jesus died for humanity's evil and sin. And it's where he lived out what he taught that nonviolence, forgiveness, and self-giving love are the most powerful things in the universe. And because God's love for his world is stronger than evil or death, Jesus was raised to new life as the prototype of a new humanity, and this brings us to the story of Acts. Through the Spirit, God empowers Jesus' followers to spread the life and love of Jesus out into the world as they invite people to leave their old humanity and join Jesus' multi-ethnic family, the new humanity. This is where the letters from the apostles fit into the story. Here the apostles address early Christian communities and they show how the good news about the risen King Jesus changed history and should reshape every part of our lives. They also explained the good news by constantly appealing to stories from the old Testament and the stories of Jesus, showing us how to see our own life stories as part of the epic biblical story. So all humanity is trapped in a Babylonian exile, but Jesus came to create a new home. We're all living in different kinds of Egyptian slavery to selfishness and sin, but Jesus died as the Passover lamb to liberate us into the promised land. Our old humanity is bound for the dust of death, but Jesus' resurrection opened up a new future for a new humanity. We live here in the current evil age, but through Jesus and the Spirit, a new creation has burst open here and now. And this leads us to the book of Revelation, where the whole biblical story comes together in powerful symbolism and imagery. Jesus is portrayed as a slaughtered, bloody lamb who is exalted as the divine king of the world. He's is all about. 
Now, I don't know if you were able to follow along in the reading plan um, throughout the entire year. If you were, congratulations. That's awesome. To be able to ingest the entirety of Scripture in one year is amazing. The goal, though, was not necessarily to read everything. The goal was to read something every day to let God's Word continue to shape and guide us in our day-to-day lives. But one issue maybe we have, especially for those of us who just go to church and maybe that's the only scripture we get for the week is just a small picture from one person standing on stage, um, is that a lot of times we just get small glimpses of scripture that looks something like this. Now, this is a, a photo mosaic of a bunch of different pictures put together to kind of form one big picture. But sometimes when we come to church, we are so zoomed in that what we see are just little pictures that sometimes relate to each other. Like if you look at this picture, you know, you see, oh, there's some dogs and there's some cats and some flowers. And then like at the bottom, there's a, looks like a husband and wife and their dog. And, you know, how does that fit in with all these other pictures? But then sometimes as you continue to read or continue to uh, get more pictures, you know, you kind of zoom out and you Again, you see other pictures that are similar but different, maybe different coloration. There are some pictures that look very much alike with just a few differences, so maybe those connect. But then as you continue to zoom out or continue to hear more, read more, you get a bigger, fuller picture. And maybe for those of you at home, you're starting to kind of see uh, another picture develop. Maybe if I zoom out one more time, you can see, a, a you know, something happening. Something is, is, is being shown by all of these smaller pictures. And then finally, if I kind of colorize it just a little bit more, um, you'll notice this is a picture of a person who's supposed to be Jesus in The Chosen, who's teaching the Sermon on the Mount. But if you zoom in, we see that he, this picture is actually made up of hundreds and thousands of smaller pictures, but they all work together to point towards something bigger than themselves. But again, sometimes it's hard because we experience the Bible like this. We are so zoomed in and we wonder, okay, how does this story in Genesis 15 about how God chooses Abraham and this story over here in Exodus of the people you know, getting delivered through this, this sea and God giving them the law, like how do these two pictures fit together? together. And thankfully, what we've hoped to do this year is to be able to zoom back and explore so many different pictures and and be able to see a full picture develop. And that picture, that answer to the question is this, that I hope that this year, as we have journeyed through the Bible, you have been able to see that the Bible is an epic, unified story. It consists of hundreds of smaller stories, poems, and letters, but it is one story that leads to Jesus, and it has wisdom to offer the whole world. If you read at the end of the book of Luke, um, after Jesus' death, his burial, his resurrection, you find Jesus confronting two of these disciples on the road to Emmaus, and they're kind of downtrodden and, and, you know, worried. They're talking about to each other about stuff. And Jesus is like, what's happened? And so they explain, like, what you, have you not heard about Jesus? And we had hoped he was the one. And then Jesus starts, it says, and t- starts in the, the book of Moses and the prophets and explains to them how this, this whole story is about this coming Messiah. 
And then later they're at the table and Jesus takes bread and he breaks it and their eyes are open to who Jesus truly is. And so Jesus has this conception that all of Scripture, especially that of the Old Testament, is all pointing to him. That throughout the whole Old Testament, it is made up of a bunch of different stories, but they're all unified in that they point to this coming Messiah. Now later, one of the apostles of Jesus, Paul, who is converted from being a, a, a Christian killer into a, like a, a Christian leader, he is writing to one of his kind of disciples, Timothy, and this is what he says. You, Timothy, um, a kid who grew up being taught the scriptures in a Jewish home, you, however, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able to give you the wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and beneficial for teaching, for rebuke, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man or woman of God may be fully capable, equipped for every good work. And so what does Paul say Scripture is? Now at this point, Paul does not have a Bible, you know, like we have it with Genesis through Revelation all in one piece. In fact, a lot of the letters of the New Testament are still being written or still being distributed. Um, perhaps they've you know, heard some of the gospel messages as well. But what Paul is saying is, listen, the scripture you grew up with, Timothy, which would have been the Old Testament, that it's wisdom literature. If you read it, you're going to become wise. And what do you become wise to? Wise to salvation, your need to, of salvation. That the, the scriptures point to this picture that humanity is broken in so many ways, especially in the sin and death region. And what the scriptures point to is our need for someone else to save us. And so what does it do? It points us that this salvation will come through faith in this anointed one, this Messiah, Jesus and that all of this scripture is, it's God-breathed, it's inspired, that it comes from God, it's, it's for us, maybe not necessarily written to us, because we're living, you know, two, three thousand years later, but it is written for us. And what does it do? It gives us a few things. It's beneficial for teaching, for learning things we've never known before, for rebuke of, of if we're doing one thing, it tells us what things we should be doing, for correction, for taking us off a path that leads to destruction and towards a path of life, and finally for teaching, for training in righteousness, to, to know what it means to live in a right relationship with God and with other people. And so what Paul is saying is this, this book that we have, that we call the Bible, it is so vital to life, to knowing what we need for salvation, and that is faith in Jesus Christ. And so what I hope this year is that we've been able to zoom back far enough to see that all of these different stories are woven and, and work together to point us towards Jesus. And yesterday, as a nation and as a world, you know, a lot of Christians came together and celebrated this re- reception of God as man in the, the baby Jesus who grows up in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man and ultimately goes to the cross where he pays the the penalty for sin and death for all of humanity, for everyone who would put their trust and faith in him to declare him as Lord and declare him as king and submit to his rule and reign in our lives and in this world. He gives us the invitation 
to say, would you rule and reign with me? Which harkens all the way back to page one of the Bible where God establishes humanity in his image as his representatives to rule and reign as he would rule and reign in this world. And so the the picture that, that we get on page one is really uh, continued and fulfilled in the story of Jesus. And so this, this last Sunday, as we finish up this series, long story short, the, the picture continues to point to Jesus and con- continues to ask us, are we part of that picture? That we are part of that church that was established back in Acts that continues to point the world towards Jesus. And each week we come together we take a piece of bread and we take a cup and we remember the, the body that was broken, but we also remember the invitation that was given to join Jesus on the cross. That just as Jesus was crucified, we have been crucified with Christ. And it's no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us. That the life we now live in the flesh, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So this morning, as we go to the table, Let us look back on all the myriad of pictures and pieces that have been woven together to point towards Jesus and invite us to the table with him as he comes and declares himself as Lord and Savior over our world and over our lives. Let's go to the table. That's it for this time. Thank you for checking in with us, and we'll be back with another episode again next week.